You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. The only people for me are the mad ones. The world is filled with the boring and the barely conscious. Misery loves company. But we don't have to live this way. Jessica and I are here to talk to those the system rejects, to radicals and thought criminals. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but push the boundaries of acceptable discourse. Those who stare reality in the face and dare it to be different. History isn't made by the timid, and fun is not had by the perpetually afraid. We are the mad ones. So let's get to it. Welcome to the mad ones. I'm your one-man Twitter ratio team host, Cam Harless. And with me, as always, is a woman who hates Moscato as much as Hunter hates running out of crack cocaine and probably <laughs> underage hookers. Miss Jessica Green, how are you doing? That's a pr- that's a very accurate intro. <laughs> like they get more accurate as the time goes on. The longer I know you, the more that I can say, except for that one thing you asked me not to say, and so I'm not going to say it. I did ask him not to I say think. it. It's a big secret. We'll see what happens. um but before we have we have a a, a special guest today who's a friend of a personal friend and someone who's on the network that i run it's like just us now just me and them but (laughs) but uh i'm going to before we introduce her who you're gonna love um we should i should say thank you to uh you know Lorenzotti Coffee, and who, if you use promo code the Mad Ones at checkout every time you buy coffee, you get ten percent off your order. And also, if you're not watching Opsec Drip yet, you're dumb, and I hate you, and you should be doing that. Um, but don't be a Sean Astin. Watch yeah, Opsec Sean Astin. Drip. Sean Astin can eat my entire ass. That's all <laughs> I've got to say. Um, but. It's time to introduce, so let's do that. Joining us tonight is one half of the Voluntary Vixens, a very flexible broad with that namaste, go fuck yourself attitude, a woman of science who is totally not a conspiracy theorist, a person who loves people and hates the state and a purveyor of essential oils and good smells, the very great Miss Maddie from the Voluntary Vixens. (laughs) I love my intro. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite thing. He works very hard on them. It's very fun. (laughs) <laughs> How are things going, Maddie? They're going all right. I, I, I've been lost in uh, in the week, calendar-wise, so I guess it's Wednesday. Here yeah. we are. <laughs> it's Wednesday because it's the mad one, so. <laughs> and, and also, your episode dropped today. I've been busy. Yes, yes, you have. <laughs> you've, been, you've been super busy. I mean, mad props to you for doing your show, putting out our show. Um, despite crazy um, audio issues that we had with the biting the bullet guys, um, I've I've gotten good feedback on it so far. But um, you know, and yeah, and then taking over the um, <laughs> taking over Is the she... Brad Binkley uh, role with the propaganda report. So you had a lot oh, yeah, on your too. you had a lot on your plate. So yes, I appreciate <laughs> you getting us another episode out today and um heather yes i believe i'm the one that pissed off a ghost or at least i'm probably one of the humans out there that is pissed off a ghost but i assume it's probably me but okay, i need to please know go on pissed off a ghost. <laughs> well let's see if i can um figure i don't know i feel like this might apply to me in a couple ways i know you guys love ghost stories and like dead 
things. <laughs> We're talking about death. Um, you know, and Jessica's the queen of the uh, Halloween special. Uh, the Halloween the horror challenge. Special. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not drinking liquid death right now. Oh, I'm not obsessed with death. What are you talking about? Too perfect. So I guess um, I, I don't want to over tell the story because I'm known to ramble and provide too much detail ask anybody who's uh, very close to me. But so it was my friend's bachelorette weekend. We did a night in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. Super haunted place, by the way. Um, just that's a no commonly known thing. Um, there, It was pretty significant in terms of the Civil War um, and stuff like that. And so, you know, all kinds. Of, and it's like in a very pivotal place, um, I guess like three or four states are even conjoined at that place and so just tons of activity um and tons of paranormal activity as well so anyway uh -huh. you know before dinner i'm sitting there um like joking with my friends and saying you know talking about how haunted this place was and how old the place we were staying was this little hostel hotel thing and i said it i hope i get to meet a ghost tonight like you know come find me here i am and uh, yeah, so that night I had the wildest, most vivid dreams I've ever had in my life of, up until that point and even to this day. And it was crazy because like I can usually wake myself up. Like as soon as mm -hmm. I realize I'm in a dream, I don't get to hang out and enjoy my lucid dreaming. I wake up. I'm out of it. And usually that's a good thing because, um, you know, they're scary. <laughs> so I can wake up. Yeah. So, so I was trying to wake up from these dreams. And each time I thought I was good, I would have been waking up. It was kind of like the movie inception where he just falls into different dreams. And so I just like kept going into a different cycle, kept going into a different cycle. But what was weird was that each cycle I was in the same setting, like physically, like in the room at the house in Harper's Ferry, but I could tell visibly based on, you know, when I'd arrived to this new cycle or dream, mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it was vastly different time periods. And I had different audiences and none of my friends were there, but it was me and these strangers. And, you know, some were friendly, some were asking about a family and I had to tell them that a family didn't live there anymore. Um, and, and even to like- Wait, they were asking about their own family? They were asking about a family, like some person, knocked on the door and asked if the family was home. Right. And I was like, no, um, this isn't a, a home anymore. You know, this is a, this is an inn and they're not here. And um, like another friendlier uh, encounter was um, the room had like some sitting area and we had just been previously like doing the bachelorette thing, like presenting the bride with her lingerie and gifts and you know, whatever. And so in this, again, dream, I'm sitting there with these two people I've never seen before, but a guy and a girl. And I'm like, what are you guys doing here? Like, like we're, this is Corinne's party and we don't know you. So why are you in this room? And then hey. like another one or two were just very scary. And, and it may be have been the same one, but it happened so fast that like I was outside the house and had to like sprint away from somebody that was after me and it did not seem welcoming and um and that either was the same one or it was another like again inability to wake up and 
what I was experiencing was somebody like at the door, like shaking it and like me having to bar the door. So oh my I, God. I invited the ghosts to come find me and I think they did. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's a, I've got little bumps on my arm. You can yeah. always tell when a person is telling a legitimate ghost story because you feel it. It like somehow the realness of it transfers. And I've had people tell me bullshit ghost stories and I'm like, no, I know that you're lying because I don't have the tingles. I've got one more part of that if you're if you are yeah, yeah. interested oh, yeah, yeah. because it really uh, this is what I think set it apart for me than just bad dreams. Um, and it was that so all of a sudden, you know, I think it was really the um, it was the the like the jarringness of that portion where I had to shut the door like or you know do what I could to try to bar the door and I was so shaken that I finally did wake up and I'm laying in the top bunk of this um bunk bed and I have friends like I can hear them snoring they're in other beds you know whatever and mm -hmm. um and so I'm just like holy crap like laying there thinking holy crap like that was nuts um I got a text Erica, who is the older sister of my friend who was on this adventure with us. And she, I already, I already knew she left the room with the younger sister because the younger sister had a panic attack because the younger sister saw a picture like turn to flames and it was a picture, like a map of the town. And, you know, the, the obvious like guess and her assumption would have been is that like she was being shown or seeing, um, like the town burning. Um, so that freaked her out. She's already prone to um, panic attacks, anxiety. And apparently even as a young child, she would speak to their dead grandmother who had, she had never met in her life. But anyway, that's an aside. So I knew Erica was already gone. Like she was already outside like dealing with the sister's panic attack and I had fallen back asleep. And so I'm like, okay, I got to text Erica because nobody else is awake. Nobody else is like dealing with anything right now. So I reach under my pillow for my phone and you know i grab onto something and i start to pull it out and i have this realization like that's not my phone it was oddly enough very specifically an ihome clicker like do you remember old school like we now have just better seat speakers and sound systems but do you remember the ihome where you'd plug in your ipod it was like yes. before oh, iphones yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. it was it was an ihome clicker like the little remote for it yeah and I was like, that's weird like what is this and so but that kind of also triggered me into holy shit this can't be real either <laughs> and yeah that realization kind of did make me start to panic and i start screaming and i realize my, I, i'm constricted and i'm basically tied up in again this is weirdly specific but balloon strings just tied up in balloon strings my entire body i'm like a cocoon of balloon strings i'm thrashing to the extent that i can i'm tr i'm screaming and i'm wondering why the hell my friends aren't waking up and then i actually do actually really legitimately wake up and i'm paralyzed um and i you know can't move a muscle and i wasn't screaming weirdly enough um or at least that i could tell because i didn't wake anybody else up um right but yeah, like, so I woke up and I was like, I woke up in reality and not just another dream. And I was like, holy shit, like they really got me.
Yeah. The sleep paralysis stuff is scary. I've never and had again, it before, but the that story. That was unique. That was unique to me too. Again, yeah. I've never, I had never experienced it before then. And I've never experienced it since. Knock on wood. I don't like it. No. So yeah, I, I have had sleep paralysis before, but what's funny is I actually, Jessica doesn't know about this, but I actually have a video of her, of Jessica, when she walked into a haunted house and was trying to tell the ghosts to leave her alone. It's crazy that I have this. Do not come. <laughs> Do not come. I'm going to come. <laughs> oh. So I believed you because there have been many instances in my life where I've told ghosts to leave me alone. So I really believed that you had a video really? of me. I'm like, where did he get this footage? Right? No, it, my real life. <laughs> so we have a, a abandoned, everybody th calls it the abandoned insane asylum, but I think it was just like a clinic, but it's was abandoned yeah. maybe 50 or 60 years ago. And so all the teenagers always would go down there with flashlights at nighttime and like, you know, rummage around and break shit. Yeah. And um, we would get, we went down to the basement one time and there were just these like giant piles of dirt laid out in the same shapes as like graves. A grave. Right. But they were on like concrete floor. So it was like if if there there was just these mounds of dirt sitting on concrete floor, but they were in like six foot long mounds. And I was like, that's it. We're done with this. I'm out of here. <laughs> we gotta go. Like, yeah. yeah. So where I live currently um is the same like the reason my town is known of is because it's the old home of this uh sanitarium and and i think like just because i'm in a more rural part of maryland i grew up in montgomery county closer to dc um but like That's where fine. i live now i know it's awful and i'm just glad i've escaped the cancer what an some degree. of a city though it's disgusting oh. everything about it's disgusting Hey, <laughs> I mean, Washington D.C. is an armpit. Have you I've ever had, been? been? No, I've never been. You've never been. Oh. No, acting all appalled that we're shitting on. No, it. I just yeah, no. It's it's. it's I'm just offering some conflict <laughs> to keep the drama of the yeah. episode going. You got to keep it heightened. Um, right. <laughs> must disagree. So you know, there's plenty of people right. that like D.C. What's weirder though is people that like love Baltimore. Honestly, I'm like okay. DC, I can understand maybe in some way, you know, people in Maryland are like, oh, we get it. We get a nice big city, a nice big mm. city, quoting. Um, and then because <laughs> they get to like celebrate that instead of how much of a shithole Baltimore is. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so like so where I am, I'm I consider myself conveniently in the middle of nowhere. Um, just easy enough to pop into any center or actual place I need to go to. But, but because I'm out here a little bit more in like the rural and farm country, it must've been like just the go-to spot in terms of building sanitariums, um, mm. you know, asylums, uh, the tuberculosis, um, homes oh, and yeah, yeah. Like orphanages, like tons of creepy, classic creepy buildings. Like, so Where there people would have died horribly, yeah. horrible, horrible deaths, yeah. horrible lives generally. Yeah. So there's a lot of that up here, but I will say 
I haven't ha and I live in an old house. Like I live in a house that was built in 1892 and has been mm -hmm. updated and remodeled and added upon since. But so I will say to this house's credit, um, I don't think it's haunted. I haven't experienced anything, <laughs> even the slightest bit creepy. So thank you, house. Thank you. Do you I live alone. I live alone. So <laughs> do you hear my long distance demon story? Uh, yeah. Right now, I want to hear that demon story, <laughs> not toward the end of the episode where I have to yes. walk through my dark house. Yes, right now. Right now is good. Yeah. So then so, we can touch on lighter things. <laughs> so right. when I was, I was probably like 22, I think, and I was dating this girl and she lived about an hour and a half away. And um, one night I fall asleep and it's normal night. I think I went to bed at like, I was a kid. So, I mean, I still, it was late, but not as late as I stay up now. I feel like I've gotten worse as an adult than I was as a kid. Yeah. Um, say as you get older, like my, uh, I, I email with an old guy who, um, don't <laughs> ask me the reasons why, but anyway, he's up at three in the That's morning. <laughs> I used to email lots of old guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm an Sometimes. old man at heart. So, I mean, I get it. <laughs> Sometimes you uh, have correspondence with old guys. Just move on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Go ahead. So, Go. so Cam, I was sorry. asleep. And in the middle of the night at about th 3, 3.15-ish. The witching hour. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I wake up and I feel like I was, like God was telling me to start praying for my girlfriend. And I, I was like, okay. And so I'm sitting in my bedroom in the middle of the night and I'm praying for her. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I texted her. No, nothing came back. I was just like, I don't know what's going on. I finished praying, went to sleep. I think I prayed for 15 minutes, right? And so uh, the next day she calls me and she says, I had one of the worst nights last night. <sighs> and I said, why? What, 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 what happened? And she said, well, I had a dream that there was a demon raping me. Oh my and God. And the dream lasted all night long. It felt like it was hours and I said, well, that's crazy. I felt like I needed to pray for you last night. And she goes, okay, well, I woke up at like 3.15 and I felt, I was like, oh, wow, you know, that was awful. And I prayed and I went back to sleep and she was like, but it felt like it was all night. And I was like, oh, that's, that's weird. Cause I woke up at three and felt like I needed to pray for you. And then I was Googling later. I was like, mm -hmm. how long do dreams last? And it's literally like 15 like 10 to 15 minutes a dream can They're last. They're short. Yeah. Yeah. And and so like it was just really this strange coincidence where I woke up, felt like I needed to pray for her, and during that I prayed for that period of time and she woke up like right at the end of that. Like I was fighting demons from an hour and a half away. It was so bizarre, but I was like, "Hey." <laughs> yeah, jeez. I, I did my part. <laughs> I, well, you know, yeah, you I'd say that's You guys more are talking you guys were talking about lucid dreaming and like how when you have a lucid dream or you realize that you're lucid dreaming, you don't get to like stay there and enjoy it or have magical yeah. powers, which would be awesome. But um, I used to have a recurring nightmare when I was a little kid that a dog was chasing me and I would run up the front steps of my house and I would like try and open the front screen door and it wouldn't open. There'd be all kinds of scenarios. And I had that dream so many times that eventually I realized I was dreaming. Just one day, I was just kind of like, hey, this is a dream. I turn around, I pointed at the dog, and I said, you're not a real dog. And then I woke up. 
Um, and I never had the scary dog dream again, but I at least was a, a lucid in the dream long enough to tell the dog that he wasn't real. That's a great victory of mine to this I'd day. Say, yeah. 38 years old. <laughs> stand, up, stand up to that dog. Right. I have like two or three different stories, some were way worse than others. But when I was like three or four, when we were living in an apartment, uh, when we were, we were young, I was young, we were all, we were a poor family and it was raining one night and I was terrified and I was scared and I was praying as a little, little boy. And um, so I don't know how to describe it, but it's still in my mind from that moment where there was this like, sounds so weird to say out loud a being of light that was standing next to the bed but it was comforting it was like a it's just a thunderstorm idiot you'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was one of those moments that, that i remember i woke up that morning i was like mama i seen an angel <laughs> See, they say children are more connected to the ether because they just came out of it so they, they like observe more of it yeah, if you guys press me on this issue, y'all will realize how deeply crazy I actually am. <laughs> yeah. Right there, right there yeah. No, so. I think I think the veil, there is a veil between worlds, between the unseen world and this the physical world. And there are certain points of the year where that veil gets thinner, and then other points where it's pretty thick, you know, and you're and you're usually good. And during that thin time, you know, stuff leaks, you know. It just <laughs> Stuff warps. Things interact in a certain way that they're not normally supposed to. I don't know what why it does that. I'm not a scientist. And if I was, I wouldn't know either. <laughs> but yeah, I... Spectroscopy. I, spectro I can't say it. Spectroscopy. Spectroscopy. It can't measure ghosts? No, it cannot measure ghosts. Oh, man. So for context about why we're trying to say spectroscopy, um, Cam was wondering how they know that certain planets have atmospheres made out of certain material. We certainly haven't been to those planets and scooped up their atmospheres and run them through a lab. So especially what we do exoplanets. Is, especially exoplanets. So what we have is this process called spectroscopy where the uh, refre reflected light, let's dumb it down here because I'm, pretty stupid. Um, the reflected light um, tells us a lot of information because it's very, very specific frequencies. And then things like methane, for example, will put off a very uh, specific spectral blueprint. And so when we point our cameras and other things at it, and it always comes back methane very specifically, we have a pretty good idea that it's methane. It's not 100%. You should always have um, a, a skeptical mind. But you know, when a thing always comes back the same. You kind of have a good idea that that is what it's doing. So that's what spectroscopy is, is we're just using the color of light to measure things. Well, and no, like it can't my... do ghosts. <laughs> but my question was because people are like, oh, there's this exoplanet, this many, I don't know if it's light years or not, but this this far away. And and it, it has the exact same um, conditions as Earth, so we could go there. And I'm like, Maybe I could give you the spectroscopy, but anything past that, I'm like, you don't know. You, you don't know. I don't know. A lot of those planets that are in what are called the Goldilocks zone, which is like if you're too close to the sun, you would burn up and melt. If you were too far away from it, you would freeze. So you have to be right in this little specific band called the Goldilocks zone. Most planets that are in the Goldilocks zone are super giants and they're, they're, they're gas giants and mm. things like that. 
They're not little rock planets like ours. The reason our solar system ended up the way that it did was almost accidental and it's not common. And we're finding that as we're finding these exoplanets, we're finding out that the conditions specific to life on Earth are relatively rare. And yeah, I don't I don't know that there's this plethora of Earths out there. I don't know yeah. if I believe that. I don't know if I believe that either. So I saw a video the other day, and I can't tell you the details. I'm not a scientist. But this guy was talking about how um, there is an energy that came off of the Big Bang. And mm-hmm. it's measurable, and you can kind of see it in different um, – very. I don't know if it's like pictures or variations or x-rays or how they see this kind of thing. But he was talking about how after – I believe it was Copernicus moved us from uh, – moved us to the heliocentric view, mm-hmm. the – the um, assumption of scientists is that we are not the center of the universe or special, right? And so he was, what he was saying was that they have looked at these different places that are further out from us mm-hmm. and further towards the center mm-hmm. as, as we think it would be or mm-hmm. for, further away, wh- whichever one, I can't remember. But he was talking about how it, when you viewed it, it the, the rotation in it um, matched the rotation of our earth around the sun. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, it mirrored how earth is. And he was saying the, the assumption is to not make earth the center of the universe or center of the big bang or center of how things were, but mm-hmm. maybe we've gone too far in, in the opposite direction. And it was just like, this is weirdly interesting. I need to tell Jessica about it at some point. Yeah. So there is a, they, as in as far as they've mapped the Big Bang, there is a, something called the Great Attractor, which seems to be this space from which all other like galaxies and other things are kind of like veining out from. But, you know, a lot of the stuff that they're telling us about um, what they see in space is conjecture based on like mathematical ideas. And it's not something they've observed. So, for example, black holes, they predicted black holes in mathematics before they observed them in the telescope. So, and that's awesome. But that doesn't mean everything that they predict with math is going to turn out observable. So, um, we can have a pretty good idea about things and evidence-based trust. But if anybody ever tells you the science is settled... Walk away from that idiot because they're not a scientist for sure. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, before we get too far away from ghost stories and demons, um, let me just go ahead and throw the question out to you about the the horror movie challenge. You know yeah. about our horror movie challenge? I know about it, yes. Would you ever partake in it? Okay, so what level of involvement? Like, I definitely... I, I, I would ask for one movie that you okay. picked that you come back and talk about. Okay, I could do that. I cannot commit to 100 movies. (laughs) No no one has done it. No one has completed the challenge. That's right. Yeah, I listened to your guys' episode with um, Monica, and so actually I really want to watch the one she was suggesting and are on her list. So off the top of my head, I don't know if I have one in mind, but I'll think about it and then let you know, and then if it's not... Um, already on your list, or even if it is, maybe you know. Um, I'm I'm down. I love I love uh, scary stuff. What's your favorite horror movie? <sighs> Again, like I'm, I'm tr- I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, let's see. 
something that scared the bejesus out of my sixth, yeah. sixth, sixth grade self and damaged me for a while was the was ring. No, the ring. It was the ring. <laughs> Um, okay. And I I used to go to sleep with my TV on in my room because mm -hmm. my, my justification was I'd rather have it on and fall asleep with it on than for me to wake up to it being on without me having turned it on and or oh, like, it, oh, like you've been there like that. Yes. That was a fear okay. of mine, legitimate fear of mine. I needed a sleep timer. Um, you know, if, if there was a TV in that... I, 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 I remember I watched that movie, spending the night at a friend's house, and I was so shook. Like, she had a TV in her room. I, I like, stared at that for hours. Uh, like, very... And, and I don't know, you know, I grew up as a child, like, watching X-Files with my mom as a toddler. Like, I liked being scared. I liked scary stories. But for some reason, I don't know why that struck so deeply with me. Um, yeah, so that's... So that's a uh, one that definitely like I, I it, it required a scary movie like parody you know to come out about it for me to kind of quash those and that didn't come out for a few years like embarrassingly long. <laughs> that's an so admission. There's a there's a movie. Oh, go ahead, Cam. I was gonna say here's one fun fact about The Ring: the girl who played the little girl who came out of the TV, Davy Chase, is also known for playing Lilo from Lilo and Stitch. Really? And Aww. I love that movie. Yeah. I love Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> so so um, also girl. a terrifying demon child. Good to know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll never probably be able to watch Lilo and Stitch the same way. Um, I'm trying to think. What's another? Oh, I mean, means horror. Uh, <laughs> things you learn every day. Um, <laughs> and then, I don't know, like there's other just good, I think, scary is not the right word necessarily but other like you know horror movies or scary movies psychological or, thrillers are also like kind of on the list if they give you that that nervousness or anxiety like i'm i'm liable to put it on there god i get Actually, real loose with the list there's a hundred movies so. <laughs> oh hank reardon you're so brave for laughing at the scary movies um <laughs> good for you um oh. what was i gonna say uh, uh Hmm. Okay. Actually, ignore me. So I'm. <laughs> so the ring. So, so the ring. Um, and I guess. Oh, and some want some other chatter in the chat. Chatters, Chattersons in the chat. Um, Chatterson. Yes. Somebody mentioned like The Exorcist. I've never actually seen the original Exorcist. Apparently, the stairs are actually haunted in real life, or at least like weird um, things have happened, and that's you know, down in DC, Georgetown, I've driven past them a number of times and they look creepy. I'll say that. But, uh, and I saw that movie when I was 13, it scared the pants off of me. <laughs> funny, funny enough. My uncle saw that when he was about 13 and you know, however many decades ago that was. And to this day, as far as I know, he's still pretty frightened of it. But, um, you know, demons and stuff like actual demonic possession. I, 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 do believe that that's possible or at least like i fear the possibility of that enough to think that maybe it is possible i don't know but you know fear does well, things when, to people when you were talking about what the ring did to you i was thinking of that movie the exorcism of emily rose yes that movie fucked me up for like sorry that movie messed me up for like a week 
Okay, so yeah. I was I was getting there because there's that one, there's like two scenes in that movie that are particularly chilling. And I, even to this day, like we're definitely gonna have to go to hop, happier, <laughs> happier and lighter topics after this. Before but we even, leave, yeah. Even to this day, the scene where she, I guess, like actually does get possessed comes to mind, like just that dark shadowy figure in her room freaks me the hell out. Like just the mm -hmm. thought of it alone. And it like, it doesn't matter which bedroom I'm in, like my mind can do what it wants to do. And sometimes mm -hmm. it wants to scare me. And then the other scene is, I can't remember exactly what's going on, but like it flashes to all you see is like the reflection in her eyes like no color, just black eyes. But what you see is that light, like that's reflected off something. And it might be like when towards the end when she's in the barn. I can't exactly mm -hmm. remember, but it was just like she looked like a demon, and that looked so real to me. Like if, if that could be a real thing, like that looked like it. Well, you know that reminded me so much of the way that um, Vladimir Lenin looked before he died. He had these strokes, apparently, right? And they made him like contorted, but also his eyes had gone completely back black. And there's this photo, the last photograph of oh Lennon is scary, scary, because he looks demon possessed. And you can, got, I mean, like, pull that up? yeah, yeah, I can find it. I, I, I will duck I might, go there. I think I might need to see that and let it haunt my... Yeah, it will. It's, it's not technically the last photo of Lennon. It's the last photo of him alive. Alive. Because yeah. his body is still kept like in. Preserved. Like a, I don't know, it's like, yeah, it's Ugh. preserved and they like, oh, it's so freaking weird. Ew. Um, but get a, get a better hobby, people. Yeah, the, the whole <laughs> Russian government. Get a better hobby, Russian government. Yeah, really? No, no, that's not it. That's not it. Here. Uh, I don't like that one, though. <laughs> 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 I don't like it. Okay, what did okay, I say? How do I get how do I No no right, okay. we gotta do another? Yeah, you, hold on. I'm slower than Cam is at this. <laughs> Cam, I think I, I think I'm sending it to you in the private chat, hopefully. <laughs> yes, it looks like it. Oh geez. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Something had him. It wasn't just he didn't die a natural death. He was mm. only like 50, you know what I'm saying? And he was like perfectly healthy. Up until this um, communist takeover thing happened, and then he just started to degrade. Holy shit! <laughs> Get that thing away from me! Oh my god! I don't trust it for a second. Please take it down! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's what I'm I, I prefer the ghosts in my dreams to that image. I I truly believe that something had a hold of him there toward the end because he got he got fucking weird. It's a, a mild way of putting it. Like Ter terrible ideas before that, but you know, I don't know. Like, there's um something I read this past year, I guess, and kind of gave me some sort of comfort and solace, especially just in uh, how tumultuous 2020 was and how hopeless. I I'm not. I'm. There's no way I'm the only one who felt kind of homeless. At, not homeless. I have a home, um, but hopeless and um. Mm -hmm. You know, wondering what the hell, like, we can even do. And um, even us people who, us, you know, who like to be left alone, want to leave others alone, just pray that we will get left alone enough, really. It's like, well, it doesn't seem like 
people want to leave me alone or leave us alone, our type alone. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we've seen that in recent times. We've seen that in modern history of this country, you know, way go, uh, Ruby yeah. Ridge. Um, you know, those are real yeah. things. And so yeah. this year I took a break from, you know, my usual nonfiction uh, and just podcast devouring time. And I listened to this audiobook from the 70s. I think it's when it's from 60s the joy or 70s. Of sex. Not that one. Um, that's still on the shelf. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, book. <laughs> it gave me hope. It, that one gave me, or, you know, I, I anticipate it'll give me hope in the darkest night. But so, well, <laughs> so, um, I listened to the audiobook of um, Frank Peretti's This Present Darkness. And um, and it was kind of like a weird mix between Atlas Shrugged and... Frank Peretti. Yeah, Frank Peretti. It, it was like Atlas Shrugged meets, I don't know, like God and spirits and angels and demons. And not like, the you know, not the um, Dan Brown book, Angels and Demons, but like as if angels and demons were incorporated into like this Atlas Shruggian sort of setup. But mm -hmm. I don't know, there was something like comforting about seeing the way these, you know, angels and demons fought their battles on earth, um, you know, and how humans were used and yes. abused uh, and killed. Um, so I was just, I don't know, there was something to that and I, I liked it's like vintage feel but it also felt very relevant um right i have i have the sequel um but i have it in print instead of listening because the listening the audio the narrator it's all about the narrator if i'm going to listen to a book or even honestly if i'm going to listen to a podcast it needs to be a good um orator i'm very picky yeah yeah <laughs> No, no, that's that's fair. It, I, I've been listening to these lectures lately, and some of these people just should not have been given the job of teaching anyone anything <laughs> because they have yeah. this terrible monotone. And I'm like, God, I'm so bored. How long has it yeah. been? Ten minutes, you know. But if you have a good order, good inflection, mm -hmm. you're there for the long haul. I mean, I've yeah. listened to this other guy. I can't remember his name now. Two hours I listened to him speak today, and I was like, it's over. Damn. And that's the difference. Yep. And um, like also similarly, just while we're here, my my snobby oration or narration preference, um, like if it's an audiobook, that's unless the person's dead, like they have no excuse to not read their own damn audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like so, for example, I haven't read Thaddeus Russell's um, <laughs> Ren Renegade History. Sorry, Thaddeus, I haven't read it. Um, so because about that. I'd love to listen to it, but it's not him narrating. And since I know his voice and I love, you know, I, <laughs> there's kind of experience. this, there's this old Southern white man who is narrating that book. And when you get to the chapter where he's like reading out the letters of the slaves and the songs of the slaves, uh -huh. it's this old Southern white man doing a black female slave from the 1800s and there is something so awful about it i'm just like oh i can't cringe my way through the rest of this chapter yeah bad so see i'm um, avoiding that yeah yeah um, it's um a jarring experience yeah to well put it mildly. the only the only book that i know of that i've listened to 
that was read by the author was the new right by Michael Malice. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think I, I've ever I, listened to yeah. a book. I did listen the to author that. Read. Yeah. You can't read Malice in someone else's voice except for dear reader, because that was, that was voiced by a person who did that Kim, Kim Jong Il voice. Like the, like how it, it was perfectly read. That was a yeah. perfectly read book. That's another one though, that I have started and I couldn't get hooked by the the narrator. Um, mm. but, well, but again, maybe I'm thinking about it wrong because in my brain, I'm like, I should be hearing Michael Malice. But obviously, your, like, Michael yeah, Malice your, isn't Kim Jong-un. Right. right. Il? Which one is it? Yeah. Kim Jong-il. Ill. Yeah. The illest. But it is, it <laughs> is perfectly read because it's, it's read like someone who really loves themselves <clears throat> it's it's so it's it sounds like what if kim jong-il spoke english in an american accent that's exactly how he would sound like it's you have to go into it thinking thinking about it like yeah. that very well done yeah now i'll have to give it another go <laughs> so what was that movie um with james franco where he goes to north korea um the, the one with the one the with interview Reagan. never saw right. that so I mean, it was okay, um, but I imagine it would sound like the guy who played Kim Jong Il in that movie. No, it's it, there. There's no accent to it. Oh, okay. It's it's not trying to sound. It's just trying to sound like a pompous guy who's trying to make you believe that he created and is perfect. Created the world. He's perfect. He was born on a special <laughs> day on a special mountain. Like it's it's that feel. Yeah, and it, that that's what makes yeah. it really good i was yeah. born in kentucky so i know what it's like to be born on a mountain and it's not like well, all that great <laughs> that's the thing okay well, so, well, so no offense that, that part <laughs> of it <laughs> is kim jong-il his official biography says that he was born on um what's the name of the that mountain mount piktu i think is what it's called piktu something like that and it was on this day and all of the weather conditions were perfect. It's it's like a it's like trying to retell the nativity, but for a communist <laughs> rebel. And so but he wasn't born there. He was born in the Soviet Union. I didn't know. I'm that. pretty sure. He was not hmm. born in North Korea because he was sent off. I, I, my understanding is he was sent out of the country during that war. But he tells the story as if he had this magical birth that he could remember every detail of by the way that's awesome you know when you are a special super being from directly from heaven you do get to remember the little details like your own birth i'm sure <laughs> little yeah <laughs> at least the impressions of the day right right <laughs> great i remember yeah. how it felt coming out of my mother she felt no pain as I was Gross. just the perfect size. It's really Boo. good. It's really good that we don't remember that. Boo. And then there's some and then there's apparently something biologically that goes on with women that they forget that that pain ever existed and ever happened and they get pregnant again. It's fascinating, but it's the yeah, way like, like four times. I know. I mean, look at Cam's wife. <laughs> what pain? Ain't no pain. <laughs> Don't let me forget this pain. Don't let me forget it. Yeah, and then it's You're gone. Oh, God. <laughs> they see a baby. They're like, oh, my God. Especially, like, when they see another baby that's not theirs. And I haven't had children yet. So, like, I, I just know this from observation. And because it makes sense, like, biologically. Right, right. 
because of evolution and you know the, the progression and the continuance of the species like these things make sense if I should ever get pregnant, I want them to bring back the Twilight 60s birth where they put you in that state just before death. You can't really remember what's going on. And then the baby's out. And then, you know, you take a nice long nap. I don't need a birthing experience. I don't want to do it in a tub. <laughs> I want them to find out how many drugs will kill me and then back it off one. <laughs> Is that too much to ask? It's, 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 yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, they, the Twilight thing was um, actually not numbing at all. And whether or not they remembered it, they felt every ounce of pain as it happened oh, while they were in this Twilight sleep. It sounds like so. It's 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 so actually. it's whether or not you remember it. There is this waking dread and pain that happens with that. That and I think that's why they got rid of it. <laughs> that's why it William was. Wallace didn't want to take the drugs before they execute him because he didn't want to be senseless and wailing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's very, uh, apropos example. So is that according, according to, um, legend or Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson. That's okay. all I know yeah. about that. Yeah. Is <laughs> from the Mel Gibson movie, which yeah. rules. I will watch that yeah. movie again. Soon. I did watch that in full for the first time this past year. I know. But it was oh, awesome. Braveheart. Yeah, and um, we went on like we went on like a Scotland kick, and um, yeah. we watched. So we watched that, and I think there's still one that we haven't revisited yet. But um, so we watched Braveheart, and then like the next night we watched, sort of I guess the Braveheart sequel, but with um, so like a lot of similar actors and similar and the same writer, I guess. Um, Randall Wallace. Yeah, I think, no actual relation, I think. But, um, you know, it's been fucking like centuries and generations, but probably a very common last name. Um, but so it was uh, the one where Robert the Bruce um, kind of was like an older guy and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. finally succeeded. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and when I say finally succeeded, it's always sad to think about Scotland. Honestly, like it breaks my heart because like they're still not free. But actually, and then even they kind of fucked themselves recently, yeah. and like I, 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 I still have that shit. I still have. I can like I've de I have the deepest sympathy for them because like think about just like centuries and nonstop constant wars that killed all their men, like just their most masculine fighting and spirited men. And then, or sent them off to the Americas, like as prisoners and slaves and indentured yeah. servants. So, you know, they just expelled them all or killed them all. There's this one legend with Robert the Bruce where um, he had passed, he had died. And his general, had, he'd taken Robert, allegedly had taken Robert the Bruce's heart. And he mm. had put it in something and wore it around his, his neck into battle. Gross. And so they were they were in a um I imagine it was like a jar or like a metal jar thing. <laughs> a nice mason jar it. from Michael. It's like sloshing around in there while he's it's running like too. Like <laughs> I've got a jar of heart. Um but shake it up the They were in a battle and they were they were losing. And so the the general had taken it off of his neck and thrown the heart into the middle of their enemy and yelled, fight for the heart of your king. And it's just like this really weird legend that's like, I don't know, kind of badass. <laughs> that's that's cool. Uh, it's interesting. Um, 
And then, but, so on the Robert the Bruce thing, and then there's that other movie that came out more recently, must have, because um, Chris Pine is the younger Robert the Bruce. And I don't know. It don't, I don't know if timelines all match up very well, um, but it was it's definitely like fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it's, it was but, called Outlaw King, and I haven't watched yes, that, that one. Yes, that one. Oh, okay. Thank you. I was good. wondering what the title was. Um, yeah. Phil, Phil has been trying to get me to watch that for like a long time now, and I Phil, haven't Phil? Yet. Yeah, Phil. Do it for him. <laughs> Do it for Phil. <laughs> Especially um, before you get caught up watching all your scary movies. So one get of the caught. things that, that Jessica and I were talking about, and also before I talked to Jessica about it at all the other day, I was talking to my wife about it. Um, and it, in, in Scotland, you'd call them clans. Mm -hmm. But in over here and in Israel, they were, they were called tribes. And there's been this conversation and this hatred for tribalism, in, especially in, the, in recent years. I feel like that's become a much larger talking point than it used to be. And it's one of those things that gnaws at me because, like I just said, clans, tribes, this is another word for family. Mm -hmm. And so I understand, you know, like, I, I think that there is something to be said positive that's positive about um, ideological tribes. I think there's something that's that's positive about uh, familial and blood tribes. Like we've talked in the past about how one of the saddest things about our current paradigm is that we have separated parents or grandparents from children after a certain mm -hmm. point in time. We don't yeah. take care of our old anymore. We send them away. We let them die on their own. We, I mean, this last year with, with COVID, we let them die in hospitals and the doctors and the nurses held people out so they couldn't hold their hand as they went. Yep. Yes. And so I understand what people mean by tribalism, which is this empty idea of, and sometimes I think they're even misusing it when they talk about it. Mm -hmm. But when the word tribalism and tribe has been denatured to the point that you don't see the positive of family, of you know, uh, generations. I feel like that's sad. Am I am I crazy for having these thoughts? No, I think um, you're hitting on a really important point, and you're probably right that you know there. It's any like too much of anything is generally going to be a bad thing. So like, you know, there's maybe extreme ends of um, tribalism. And that is what people point to whether they're whether they're conscious enough to point to it and know exactly what they're talking about and all the nuances that I think um, are involved. And or, you know, whether they just point to it. And like you said, kind of just it's become a talking point. It's something to point to. It's something to blame. Um, and generally, you know, that's another way to point outwards instead of inwards. Yeah. Right. Like it's that mm -hmm. tribe, like that tribe's doing something wrong. And it's not about what you, the individual is doing and what you can change. And, um, you know, what you maybe could influence your tribe if you have a tribe yeah. um, to do. Um, and we're but not creating I mean, tribes anymore. I think that that's an issue. Well, it, it, it's, we, we it's, are. Well, but I mean, but it, well there are some rules. ideological tribes. But what I mean is it's kind of like that conversation or that that speech that Jeff Deist gave about that he got in trouble for saying blood and soil in it. But, <laughs> but family and land matter to people, and they always will. But it seems like the kind of the story arc of our generation, and I think a lot of this came through the boomers more than anyone else, mm 
is the loss of that, the loss of tribe. Because, you know, you talk about, like, the take Israel, like ancient Israel, the Israelites. You have the 12 tribes of Judah, and you go up to the top, and they're named all after that one dude who they were all the son of, and then the son of, and then the son of, right? And so I'm looking at this, and I'm like, why are why am I where I am? My mom's where she is. My brother's off in California. You know, like, why are we, why are we so dispersed? Is this healthy? And why aren't we creating tribes? Which is why one of the things that I really want to do is I want to buy land, like a fair amount of land someday, and it be more or less ancestral in so far as I'm not going to be buried or burned or whatever in some random ass place, but I want my body to go on the ground, in the ground, in my land. And then I want my children to have that land. And then they be eventually added next to me, so on and so forth. I feel like we're missing something. Is that, is that, is that? I I mean, go ahead. And I think that's a perfectly natural um, desire. And the fact that it's been like beat out of us and, you know, stripped from us. And part of that, I think, is the process of like separating generations. Um, Even, even like as even um, from the like the times where you know the mother is separated from the child because women were liberated to go to work, um, right. and so even that is part of the further separation. And instead of having the grandparents around to be, I so I come from what I would say is a tribe, and it's a very solid one. And you know we're the kind of people that can put up with just about anything because we have each other and there's so many of us. So look out. Um, <laughs> you know, I grew up with a ton of cousins. My mom was one of six. My dad was one of five. And um, they're mostly on my mom's side, uh, Irish Catholic family, um, very uh, fertile and <laughs> prolific in terms of reproducing. But it's like, I can't imagine having not, I, I would absolutely not be the person I am if I didn't grow up with that many people around me that cared and loved about me enough to make sure that I grew up to be a good person, um, mm-hmm. you know, able to socialize. Like, you know, we wouldn't have had to go to public school to socialize. We had each other and that was sufficient. And um, big enough families are able to do that. And it's like a nice cushy barrier from the outside world and other people's tribes. And of course, like you being able to hone your people skills within your tribe and with, with, within that group of um, people that love and care for you and are genetically related to you. And so there's also like another component to that. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, preservation, Um, you know, you're able to better deal with any adversary outside of that tribe and with um, your, your neighbor's tribe. And, um, you know, it's just a security blanket. And so honestly, maybe that's just another reason on the laundry list of things why people have such high anxiety these days. You know, they don't have their people. They've they've never had their people. Mm -hmm. You know, chances are they weren't loved enough as a kid or, or, you know, the ones that were loved too much. Um, You know, it doesn't it's not necessarily like quantity, it's quality. And um, maybe that wasn't exactly what they needed either. So I think... uh, you know, the idea that tribes have been demonized, you're right. Like, it, like if you can think about it and put it in the context of it being family and, you know, not 
I don't know, like the idea of um, totally dismissing the benefits of the nuclear family. It's like, well, only if you limit the definition of the nuclear family. And right. I guess technically it was like it, it was, you know, the mom, the dad and the children and maybe the grandparents. But, um, you know, it, it's so much more than that. It's well, it should be like it's hard for me to distinguish like my family from my family because that's yeah. just how close we are. And I think there's well, so much well, benefit to that. Historically, that's how it worked. Yeah, it was. That's how family worked. It was you. I mean, typically, you know, there would be kind of a split between, you know, you followed the the husband and his family or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the the what Hillary Clinton said when she said it takes a village isn't wrong if you are actually using it properly. Yes, because the Depends village. On the village. <laughs> the village were your people, were your family, was your grandmother, your aunt, your uncle, blah, 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 you know, out to, you know, ad infinitum. But what she meant was the, the schools. king. Well, yeah. She Property. meant hmm. random ass people not connected the, to you. The institutions. And so. Well, I, have a, I just to go back on something that Maddie had said at the beginning of that about the way that we don't, we're disconnected from our old people. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, why we are so afraid of death and don't accept death um, the proper way anymore. Like, because it's so shunted off from our lives that we don't even want to be around our own people when they get too old. Because yeah. the idea that they might die in front of us or that, you know, uh, we have to watch their decline has become too terrifying for people. And a lot of um, people, especially in our circle, will go on and on about the crimes of the nation being, you know, the, the foreign wars and the Federal Reserve and the currency manipulation, all those things. But um, when you want to talk about the crimes of the nation, the crimes of the actual people of this nation, it's that we've stopped taking care of our own elderly people because we're afraid. And, you know, afraid or and or selfish. A, and there's just, a combination. You know, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things, but all distasteful we, traits. It's all distasteful. And, and you know, it's become n more normal that they go off to these sort of elephant graveyards to do their dying in instead of us having to go through the trauma of that experience. And so if, if you know, you're a person that's taking care of your parent, you're doing a rebellious thing. You're doing something that actually like preserves the fabric and nature of our humanity. And it's not, we're, we're, we're not almost being allowed to do that any longer. You saw, saw what happened with this virus, with this COVID, where you're not even allowed to take care of your own old people anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we must forcibly take back. If, if, if they had shut me off into a, a, a place all by myself, I would have declined rapidly. As did um, many of them. As did many of them, because isolation is a killer. And even yep. if you are a strongly independent person, you're still a social animal. Like human beings are, are um, tribals a word, but you know, like community oriented, we need that interaction. This will go down as damn near a genocide of our elderly. And I think that a lot of them being on the public dole, uh, Medicare, Medicaid systems that they paid into, but are expensive for states to run, created a in financial incentive for them to not have as many old people anymore. And I know that that's not a popular thing to say, and I, I can't pull proof out of my ass that shows that anybody did that on purpose, but it feels a lot like they killed off the old people on purpose. 
And that is a great, great crime that I think that in history, maybe long past the point where we're alive anymore, people will admit that that had, has been done. We're not going to admit so. it to ourselves in this generation, yeah. but, but that happened. There was a genocide of the elderly and it didn't need to happen like that. I think the word is geranticide. Like Ger geriatric it, side. It's the, yes. It's, yeah. it's the combination of those things into a word. Right. Right. They, I, they killed the old people. They did it on purpose. Like, it was, um, I said it, and you know, I know we don't want to get too political, but I've been in this uh, COVID world all year um, and beyond, and it's it's stunk from the beginning, um, even before it began. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of watched everybody do the, I watched the 180s. I watched the progression of stupid ideas that couldn't be stupid because the CDC was telling them and giving them this guidance. Like I'm mm -hmm. still living in this delusional world where people are refusing to see what actually happened and, and is happening in front of them. And they won't admit it. They can't. They well, would be the culpable. They would be culpable if they did. Exactly. And the propaganda is good. Oh, it's so good. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. Well, it's like I, the, the, um, when John Stewart went on Stephen Colbert the other day, I immediately texted ugh. Monica and I was like, look at this. This is propaganda. 100%. Over the last year, I said, over the last year and a half. Well, they're canceling him now. They, they, they're not. It's all, it's, it's all a show. Um, it's all uh, a show. Stewart. Stuart, Stewart. Yeah. Because he said this came from a lab. This was a created thing that came from a lab. But that's and not currently cancer worthy. Well, it, I it's mean, all a show. Yeah, one hundred percent. This this was this is not. He did something, and he they are giving a little taste of victory to the people who've been fighting them this whole time, and people are buying it. John Stewart's not your friend, and mm -hmm. what what I saw in that moment was one. They brought in the OG Pope of the the funny, the comedian. Yeah mouthpieces yeah. of him. the corporate him press yeah. and they, they brought the, the, the big guy in. He presented the new, the new narrative, which will become the main narrative watch because what's happening right now is they're turning on China. Look at the, there mm -hmm. was, there was, there were bills passed this last week. Mm -hmm. What's his name? It wasn't cool to be against China while Trump was in office but Biden is pushing against China harder than Trump ever had a chance to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is going to be the narrative. And so what they did is they presented it from a trustworthy voice after Stephen Colbert and um, all these guys said this, this lie for a year and a half, they burned their, they've burned their credibility. They can't just swap. Mm -hmm. And so they gave a they, they made a sacrifice. Yep. They're going to use that to then be able to go, well, turns out he was right. And, give themselves the credibility back because they fought it and then and then mm. oh it turns out the guy that we trust was right this is propaganda it's perfect. It's, it's masterful i'm i'm t and that that was my first thought when i saw this is they're not canceling him mm. they're using him and he's he's right. playing his part yeah he's too precious for them to cancel right they need, they need that guy it just so like when I was watching the clip, the, I, the way that Colbert sort of like reacted to all of it, he seemed like jumpy and nervous and like, are you really saying this? And like, he's a creature. 
Um, They were presenting the new narrative push. They're testing the waters. They tested with someone who's no longer on TV anymore, who's trusted and liked. And so Mm -hmm. now they know how the initial reaction will be. But watch. This is going to be the new narrative. Because Mm -hmm. the narrative initially was this thing got out there. We can protect you from the from nature that narrative didn't Mm. work yeah now the narrative is china did it china is competing against us we need to beat china it's Mm -hmm. all of the stuff that they would have done a year and a half ago if trump hadn't been president right right just watch i'm just saying watch that part is that part makes sense to me like because i've seen them already do things and say things that are exactly what trump said and but it's because it's coming out of Kamala Harris. Somehow it's different. Like yeah. I don't know. I I pressed one of my friends who is a progressive, but not like a complete idiot. And you know, I was like, you know, this stinks, right? You know, these people are awful. And she just kind of had this attitude of like, yeah, but we need some kind of like functional system. And the system was not functioning under Trump because they were so focused on getting him out of there. So at least this way things will still run. I was like, yeah, they'll run unchecked. They'll only ask this guy about his ice cream preferences. You saw what happened to that poor woman. I don't know if she's poor or not. Let me, (laughs) that press woman who asked him a question that like, how are you confident about this? And he came down on her with like his finger out shaking at her about tyrant. (laughs) That that he that she should dare question him about something besides his favorite ice cream flavor. You know what I'm saying? Well, there was like, a clip it, earlier today as well that was like the mask dropping. Like there was a video of Biden. I, I I'll try to find it in a second. But he was in front of the reporters and he said, um, "I'm going to be open for questions." And like always, I have a list that they gave me to and pick I'll people call, who I'll ask call the your name. Up. And, he, and he relayed the name of the first person on the list. Yeah, it's almost like he forgets when he's not supposed to read the script. Like, it's like, Joe, those are in brackets. Those are in parentheses. That's like, you know, (laughs) uh, uh, you know, like as if you're reading like a a play, you know, like a a script. And it's like, we, those are not, you don't speak those out loud. That's not narration, Joe. But what, what, what's going to happen from this point? Is the people out there who are conspiracy who are conspiracy theorists, not necessarily people who are trying to wisely look through all of the data, wisely look through how they how their patterns work, how right. the propaganda works. They're going to see, oh, John Stewart said lab leak is real. I'm vindicated. Now right. that they're saying this, I can trust the system. Mm. Mm. I can trust that they that they're actually going to look into what's going on and fix it. And oh look who did it? China. I'm just saying. Yeah. They there were people there out there who I I who think pretty are. highly of in these spaces who were cheering on John Stewart right now and I'm like no 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 he, they wouldn't have brought him gotcha. on. Yeah, yeah. Every single thing that he said was planned. What may, should make you suspicious about that too is, you know, and God help me if this comes back on me, but it, if it ends up on Steven Crowder, I kind of feel like it came out of the the narrative makers too. Cause yeah, like he no, has yeah. a certain subset of audience that he speaks to and they all take him for, you know, 
the 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 voice of truth, right? And so he was the one talking about what a hero John Stewart was for saying this, and isn't he great? And right. we trust him. He's an honest progressive, and all those things. And that narrative came That's... out of him. So when Steve, when Stephen Crowder's saying a thing to me, it's as good as like CNN saying it, or you know, the other side's narrative maker saying it. Not to mention that um, I need to find the article, but Monica had mentioned this. The words that John Stewart said on that stage, science has has done good for us and has saved us, but we need to look at how science caused this was almost lifted word for word for word from a New York Times article days before. Hmm. Oh wow. And so, it's the re repetition and the reinforcement and to make sure it gets uh, driven in deep there. The CIA hands them a script and then they say the script and then you say the script in liberal or you say the script in conservative, but then at the end of the day, the, the script yeah. finds its place, yeah. finds its stability. Yeah. That makes sense. I um, am, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Like that's not what you can not? put on me because I don't, I, I, I don't speculate. I don't speculate I know a lot. That they conspire. I don't, right. I, I just, what I do is I point out when they're doing things. I point out the propaganda. I'll point out where when I see a conspiracy, but I'm not like, okay, so let's go back in time. And this is what the, you know, and it's like that crate because conspiracy theorist is a type. So you believe yeah. in birds is what you're saying, Cam? I believe, <laughs> I do believe in birds, but they were all killed by Ronald Reagan in 1980 and they have been replaced by drones. Okay. Do you, that there are only a few birds out at night. Do you know why they got to recharge their batteries? <laughs> That's why. That's why you only I hear think a couple. The bird thing is my favorite. That's yeah, like I like the bird thing too. Top tier. <laughs> it's so excellent. I love it so much. Um, but it's, I it, text, I, I have, go ahead. Go ahead. I just say that because I don't buy everything. Like I'm not here to to swallow every new conspiracy yeah, theory. No, I am right. here to to follow the pattern, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it. If I see the pattern, I see the pattern. If I can yeah, call it out and see the but. There are people out there who are the conspiracy theorists who feel feel vindicated and they can go, oh, but and Flat Earth was totally a psyop. I know we've talked about this before, yeah. but that was a psyop. I know a guy who bought into that pretty hard. <laughs> people still out there that are, you know. I want to talk to a flat earther, like a like a yeah. true blue believing black, flat earther. I think yeah, that'd yes. be fun. So Get I know a flat earther. Eddie, Eddie Bravo. <laughs> Oh, Eddie, bro. I think he, <laughs> he seems like he believes that ironically, which is not the same know. thing as believing it. He is hilarious. I knew I, I knew a guy who straight up really believed in flat earth until he found a guru, uh, um, some astrological guru who he got really into astrology and then he didn't believe that the earth was flat anymore. So the only thing that enlightened him to the fact that the earth was not flat was that he now follows this guru around in the desert who tells him because of astrology the earth cannot be flat and i'm like whatever works for you man yeah whatever and so just to confirm our ologies are correct astrology is the one from the like that tells you like, like you i'm know, a cancer right right yeah. and That's so i'm emotional and really right. um intuitive it's not a guru for but astronomy. Thus, which thus is the Earth the, is not flat. <laughs> right. He did not study astronomy, which would have told him the Earth is not flat. He studied yeah, astrology. astrology. <laughs> you know, like you said, whatever, whatever works. 
Whatever you need, man. I'm not going to get in your way. That's <laughs> yeah, not what we're here to do. Unless, yeah. like, you know, you make us have to if, defend somebody. If you're ourselves. not hurting anybody and you want to go take mushrooms and follow an old guy around in the desert, I am Please down yeah. do that. I mean, chances are, like, don't force me to pay for it. You know, maybe if you give a good pitch, I'll throw a few bucks your way or, like, you know, send you a gift card. Um, I will watch that on TV if you want to film that it. too. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, like, I am here for that. Right, right, but but so, make so it, you're not saying, it worthwhile. <laughs> you're 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 not saying that you're Frank, who is currently in the desert, probably on mushrooms as we speak, is what you're saying. Me, I'm not. No, Frank. Cam, Cam, I'm, I'm not Frank. Frank. Cam's not definitely conspiracy not theorist, right? Yeah. Frank yeah. is my example of the conspiracy theorist. Got it. Don't gotcha. be Frank. Frank. You say Frank, Frank, I think of Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like. <laughs> Did we, how do we leap, loop back to always sunny? I mean, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we can always we can always loop back to it's always sunny, but it's my favorite show. <laughs> but this this conversation so also is. reminds me of something that Jessica and I talked about. I, I don't know if it was I can't tell days anymore. I, it may have been today, may have been yesterday. <laughs> but for the need for like wisdom and discernment mm -hmm. in our lives, because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there have been a lot of things. Especially, like I said, you have to keep repeating it, especially over the last year and a half, that if you didn't have wisdom, if you didn't have discernment, you got lost in the weeds. And um, it's so funny because I keep I keep seeing these things. Like, I'm not the wisest guy on the planet. I I do I am pretty good at discerning, you know, and so discerning what's going on, what is happening um and it was funny the other day i tweeted something and uh it was just something simple of that old saying if you lie down with dogs you get up with fleas and within hours i mean minutes actually it wasn't even hours it was minutes some stuff blew up on twitter and i i was looking at it and i was going i would have had fleas if i had decided to lay down with these dogs mm. And that there are a lot of things that need to be talked about. One of the things that I want to talk to someone who um, is really good on these subjects is people in the anarchist world, in the libertarian world, talk a lot about self-ownership. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that they that not a lot of people talk about past that is self-mastery. Mm -hmm. And so there there are conversations I feel that need to be had because Self-ownership is a great principle, but self-mastery is where the, the magic happens. And I think that th these are conversations that we need to be having. Um, I'm going to quote Jordan Peterson just to piss off Ryan when he hears this part. We need to make our beds. <laughs> we do. Ryan doesn't like Jordan Peterson. I, you want to hear a controversial take? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, oh, I, don't, I, I don't. I think Jordan Peterson's boring. I can't listen. Oh, to him. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, yeah. I, that's I yeah, I can understand people having different opinions. And I think like I've been I'll forgive him for nearly dying and, and actually being back to where he is these days. Um, but, um, you know, nobody's perfect. But I have found a lot of use and ability to 
take those tools that he kind of, I think, does give people readily. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you're in a place where you don't necessarily have those tools, like you haven't been taught in that way or instructed in that way. Yep. Uh, he lays shit out as simple as can be. And some people need it th to be that simple. Well, and I think that that's one of the big problems. And I think this is why we are seeing a lot of issues, not just in the world, but in our subsect of humanity, our very specific niche mm -hmm. is that there are a lot of people whose dads or moms didn't teach them how to live, yep. Yep. didn't teach them how to think, didn't teach them how to, to logically go through I, what's ideas, things that are happening in their lives, etc. And so there are a lot of people who are looking for leaders. There are a lot yeah, of people yes. who are looking and, and whether, I, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. Right. And, and that's why I think, you know, Malice's statement, those who need leaders are not qualified to choose them. And I think that that is probably one of my greatest frustrations. And to circle back to tribalism, if you have never met the chief of your tribe, your tribe's too big and you need to split off. Mm -hmm. I think that that is a huge problem is we there are so many people looking for leaders and there may there may be some stupid ass people out there who listen to this and go you're a leader I'm not the only person that I want to lead is me and my family mm -hmm. that's the long and the short of it yep. I past that point I can live as an example I can do my best and live my best life. And if that encourages you to do something similar, great. But I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to be stupid. I'm not as wise as I want to be. But I think that these are traits that need to be learned. Jordan Peterson is a good, I feel like that's like remedial living as a human. Exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I, you know, <laughs> I'd say remedial, not in a denigrating way. Like people, and I think he ended up fitting uh, and becoming that person once people started listening to him because it was something that they knew deep within them and was somewhere along our ancestral lines and our, our history of um, oral storytelling and the archetype archetypes. Yeah, that's the word. That's the word yeah. I want. <laughs> and, you know, so that was all stuff that when he spoke to people that hadn't been sort of receiving much of that maybe ever, um, it sparked something within them. And, and, you know, even me, like I grew up, I think fairly structured. I think, um, you know, I was, um, raised by both like grandparents that watched me, um, before I went to Montessori school, like I had a, a set of third grandparents, like I had so many people that loved me, that cared for me, that were related to me really. Like, and they all taught me, you know, like to be curious and, you know, they were excited about me learning and me interacting with them. And they treated me like a person, you know, not like a child. They treated me like a person. And so honestly, like I grew up, I matured, I think, emotionally and mentally fairly quickly. And I was always like with the adults. And but yes. I don't think like all the pieces were exactly laid out and put into place for me. I kind of was assumed to have already been an adult and was never exactly instructed how to do so. I was just really right. good at mimicking it. So I, yeah. I, I found a lot of um, utility in things that, like he said, that were very obvious. Clean your room. It makes sense. 
Yeah. Well, and that reminds me of that point in the conversation when we talked about um, kids and schools and socialization is if you've ever been to a private school or a public school, no matter which one you go to, when people talk badly about homeschoolers, they talk about how they need to be socialized and homeschoolers mm -hmm. are weird. Yes. Was there a weird ass kid in your high school, in your public 100%. school? Yes. Weirdness is passed down from your parents. With me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell her it was Jessica. Yeah. yeah. No, Weirdness is passed down. It yeah. comes from your parents and the adults that you talk to. Right. And so this is an important aspect of growing up is having. And so my dad wasn't a perfect man by any stretch. Loved him. Not a perfect man. However, I learned from the good examples that he set. I learned some bad stuff too, but I was also raised on the human. When I say mythology, I don't mean it derogatory as if all myths are lies. I was taught the myths, the moral myths, mm -hmm. the mythology that pushed me in the direction of being a moral person. Yeah, And I think that that is one of the things that Jordan Peterson brings to the table is he didn't do it in the Christian way. And it, it was, it was not Christian theology. He, th and I think that may be one of my little issue, pet issues with him was it was Christianity without the real full push of Christ. And mm -hmm. that bugs me, but he brought the old stories and the oral, oral storytelling back that people mm -hmm. need because humanity thrives off of story. Yep. That is how we work. Narrative structures is how we work. That's why the propaganda works. It's because they're telling us stories. And yeah. if we reach out to people and don't tell them stories, don't use archetypes, don't use the big ideas and these, these beautiful romances, and instead just tell them, you need to be rational. If this happens, then this will happen. And we have to look at the bottom line. People don't respond. Most people don't respond to that. People respond to morality and story. Yep. And if we aren't leading with with narrative and storytelling, we're never going to win. And I think there's plenty of material out there that, you know, we could actually put true stories to. I don't want to say like two narratives, because then it it maybe implies that there's something uh, deceitful about that or like we're lying. But, you know, it makes me think that um there there is so much that goes on. It's. What I'm thinking about maybe is like, you know, Jessica, your favorite thing or one of them is just the wondrous beauty of the most ordinary everyday things and events and people. And I mean, those are all stories worth telling, too. Um, and, you know, they don't even have to be a great adventure. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, you know, there's probably something there, Cam, that there's a. Uh, something to be done. I mean, I'm probably not the person to do it. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Once upon a time, I was fairly good at like creative writing and English. And um, like those classes <laughs> were always, e those classes were always like a walk in the park to me. Cause I guess I did have such like a wild, fantastical um, imagination. I, I loved to read. I hated when I was assigned to read. I never read, I never completed a book that was assigned to me. Um, but I would spend hours on top of hours on top of hours reading. Like my mom even threatened to take books away from me, you know, at times because I was reading. And so that's another thing that I think like developed my personality. Like I had so much me time and just like I was, I entertained myself through reading and through learning and everything that I took away from stories. And 
and you guys can let me know like what you think. I don't know if you're like currently reading a lot of fiction, but I honestly have so many issues with most modern pieces of fiction because they're lying about the archetypes and I can't, mm. I can't, consume lies purposefully. That's why I don't watch the news. It's why I kind of hate most television shows. Like I hate most media and programming. I I don't like being lied to and I don't sit through it purposefully or willingly unless mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. absolutely have to, like all this shit I've had to listen to for work. <laughs> I um I, I tend to like history. I, I watch I love history. Gobs and gobs of history documentaries. Mm -hmm. And in those, you have to parse out, of course, and I'm sure you know this if you watch them, that a lot of them are narrative driven. And it depends on what the person who made the documentary wants you to feel about mm -hmm. the events. And so you can see different documentaries about the same event that tell very, very different, different stories. stories. Mm -hmm. Right, right, exactly. So that it's like... Um, even in nonfiction, you just have to be aware that there's a person on the other end who's communicating something that they want you to believe or they want you to feel. And, you know, we have, um, they're called tropes, you know, there's specifics, they, they almost say that there's no mm -hmm. new stories, because these tropes are so often played out over and over again in mm -hmm. our fiction and our nonfiction. And a lot of the things we see coming out now, some of the newer things, they try to um, aberrate, if that's the right word, the tropes. And mm -hmm. it's an anathema. You like, you feel it. You're like, this is wrong. This is not. Yeah, it doesn't not fit. The right. There's something right. Wrong. Exactly. And I can feel so it's, it because it's, we were lucky enough to grow up with things that were right. 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 And so it's like uh, when you feel that sort of like cognitive dissonance of the in incorrect trope trying to like worm its way into your brain, you know, there's there's a person on the other end of this who wants you to believe something. And mm -hmm. you can start piecing together what their narrative is by seeing their sort of I, I hope I'm using the word correctly anathema of the tropes. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think you're hitting on something that I've been thinking for a long time, but hadn't quite crystallized or put together. But well, I feel exactly what you're talking about. And I don't trust those people. And I don't well, trust and those a big people. a big part of that is that they, I don't even know if some of them know that they're fucking up the tropes or screwing <laughs> up the the some archetypes or enough. whatever. Yeah, I think that one of the main issues in storytelling right now, which is why it's so great when you find a good movie, it's so great when you Fair. find a good book. <laughs> is because what has happened is their narrative comes first. So that's why uh, Cap, Cap, oh, what's it? Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was bad because it was preaching. It's mm. why um, Captain Marvel was bad. I'm mentioning comic book movies because that's yeah. what, it's why so Everything many. Everything that's getting made right now is a comic right. book movie too. That's that why too. so many of these things are terrible is not because they are i don't even know if they're trying to subvert the archetype one i think that they probably don't understand it and two they are just telling like they're if your stupid character preaches at me step off we're done <laughs> yeah yeah no yep i can't do it that is bad stop yeah. doing it but that's that you know i think that there's i think there's a lot to be said about wisdom gaining wisdom being around wise people and you know i think that there is such thing as a gift of wisdom i think that there are people who are young 
who are far wiser than some than a lot of old people. I yeah. think that there is an experiential aspect to wisdom, but I think that it takes a special person to truly be wise. But the good news about that is it is a muscle you can work out. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that uh, along with, you know, wanting to be wise, wanting to be able to have to dis- be a discerner, be able to discern things. I think it does take that self mastery. And I think on top of that, it does take self care and being able mm-hmm. to love yourself um, and <laughs> realize the narrative that you're because the narrative of our lives is the narrative that's playing in our minds that most likely came from our parents and then the, mm. they're dis- disappointed in expectation, broken expectations of their own life and narratives. Yeah. And so deprogramming sure. that I think is very important. And one of the, one of the ways to do that is through self-care is through finding ways to forgive yourself, to mm-hmm. make yourself feel okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to make yourself happy. Yep. And so you are one of the people that I've heard talk about self-care uh, a fair amount. We've talked about spoons a number of times. Oh man, I forgot about the spoons, but it's yeah, I love the spoon reference, even though some people like try to get like proprietary about the spoon analogy. <laughs> it's like you know okay, the spoon well, analogy, Jessica. Mm-mm. Tell her the spoon analogy. Uh, so correct me where I'm wrong and or fill in as needed. But so, and again, this is like why sort of people that are maybe meant more mentally ill uh, are a little bit um, sensitive to people that aren't maybe diagnosed as mentally ill. Everybody's got problems. So I don't think anybody <laughs> gets, nobody gets dibs on spoons. So, Amen. right, like back off. So the spoon analogy though, is that like you only have so many spoons and like once you've given out all your spoons, like, you know, unless somebody's actively giving spoons back to you or kind of sharing their spoons with you. Like once you're out of spoons, you're fucked. And yeah. I've definitely been to places in my life where I, I have not had any more spoons. And, um, and it's like, you've kind of abandoned all ways and reason and cause to take care of yourself and yeah. you've been busy taking care of other people or other things. And um, it's self neglect. Can I, mm-hmm. I, I think what's funny about the spoon analogy is that anytime someone, myself included, tries to talk about it, you say spoons so many times that it makes you sound like a crazy person. <laughs> spoons! Before so- I heard of the spoon analogy, what I heard was the bucket. Mm. So you have a bucket. And as full as that bucket is, is as much as you can pour out. So if you haven't had your bucket mm. filled with love, sleep, all of the things that you need, you have a limited quantity of these things, nurturing, affection, et cetera, tasks that you can pour into other people's buckets. And so I think that that's slightly easier to understand. So that's what I always thought. Like, why do we have so many spoons? (laughs) (laughs) No wonder you're fucking weirdo. There's a phrase called, um, or rather, a phrase I have heard that charity begins at home. And I always took that to mean that if you don't take care of yourself and your family and the things around your own house, you can't be charitable to other people. Like you might want to give all your money or food away to the or homeless, spoons. but if but if you're hungry, 
you know, yourself, you, you, you know, you can't feed the entire neighborhood. I don't know right. if that's, I mean, you've got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Right. And right. you have to be okay with that being a necessity. Like, and I think we're driven to the idea that that's selfish and like, why on earth? Of course you put it on the kid first, or of course you put it on your husband first, or you're, of course you put it on so-and-so, you know, the tribe elder or anything, <laughs> but like, really you are useless as a person if you are not functioning right. um, yourself. You can't pour from an empty cup. That was another yes. one. Yeah. Yeah. I just use the yeah, same, same with the bucket. Yeah. Bucket right. Cup. Right. Um, right. I was thinking, I was thinking gas tank, even as you were talking about it. <laughs> and then you're, and then you're running on fumes, right? Like we've all been yeah. there probably. Like that's and a relatable feeling. There are people like you, you can do that in other ways too, like by trying to be a people pleaser or being oh, like a yes yeah. person. You oh, want everyone oh. to like you. Ooh, like yeah. you're spreading yourself so thin that like the essential part of you that's you anymore stop, stops gone. being, it's gone. Yeah, because you're trying to be all things to all people yep. and you're not saving for yourself that most essential part of you. And yeah, I I, I completely agree with that idea. I, I like the spoons because they're these discrete little units <laughs> of, I can get, yeah. like if your friends call you for advice all the time you and you're constantly on the yeah. phone talking to them, giving them advice, and then you've given out all of your all energy. Of yeah. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, then you're sitting there depressed because you've taken on our, all of their bullshit. Yeah. How many spoons do you think Hunter Biden has? Oh, I think the he's better question. to have spoons. Um, I was going to say, I, say, I think the better question is how many of his spoons have cocaine in them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that idea is, is in Timothy, which uh, Josh brought up. Uh, but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So See? charity begins at home. Freedom begins at home. Yes. All of this stuff begins at home, yep. which home, home is the nexus of the tribe. And, and you the are battles, your home. The battles up here. Yeah, that's and right. So that's, was, that's where we have to start. Yeah. I was talking to Cam about this um, nun that I had seen on YouTube and she's cloistered and she prays all day. And someone had asked her, you know, do nuns go to confession? And she said, yes, of course. This is well, why does somebody who prays all day and is cloistered in a nunnery need to confess about? And she said, the battle's up here. And that blew my mind. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I didn't watch the rest of the video. I turned it off because I was like, I have to go think about this for a while before I hear any more from you. <laughs> yeah. Now, lucky, lucky for us as imperfect creatures and beings as we are, God loves us knowing those things about us, like the worst things about us, you know? And so that's definitely helpful. And, and you know... I don't know. So people who don't have some kind of moral, higher spiritual aspirations and, you know, the, something greater than themselves, something greater than this stupid uh, physical world. It's one of the commenters mm -hmm. commented on how like densely physical this world is. And mm -hmm. I feel like it feels denser, like the less you have in that capacity like if you can sort of i think it it starts with like you know being able to be present enough to appreciate very little things um realizing that every single minute you have is and every day on this planet the fact that we're living as much as it sucks sometimes like 
it is a gift and it is a miracle that we are here for it. So mm -hmm. I think like just basic gratitude and uh, gratitude is a thing like as like a experienced so self self care, you know, like I've had to do gratitude journals or like I had this awesome gratitude app and I'm not kidding. Like if I get, if my house, like, so back to the Jordan Peterson, like put your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. Like I can yeah. tell, cause I know myself well enough now that like I can tell when I'm slipping and mm -hmm. it's time for me to clean my room. It's time for me to catch up on laundry. Like it is time for yep. me to do these things and put those demons to rest because they're small and easy. I've done it before. I know how to do it. And it makes you more capable of dealing with bigger actual issues. Like, and again, even if they're more mental, even if they're more of your own personal demons, whether they're yours or there's somebody else's that you have to deal with, like you're going to do it better with like a clean pair of socks and a made bed. That's right. And, um, you know, nothing that's uh, barring you from being the best you can be. One of my um, pieces of prepper advice for people, and I don't give like doomsday prepping advice, I give like storm prep advice. And yeah, one of the main that. points is a, an empty sink and your towels and linens to be clean. Because if your power goes out very suddenly, especially need. if you have children, you're going to need clean dishes and clean linens. And if you've put off that sink of dirty oh, dishes, man. 15 minutes before the power went out, you could have cleaned everything in your house. And now yep. the power is off and you have no ability to clean it. So keeping your sink empty is actually a survival tactic. Keeping your linens clean is a survival tactic. That's pretty brilliant. That's just something, yeah, that's something I throw out there because um, I've survived some some pretty hairy storm situations being wow. trapped in my house for over five days with <laughs> no food, no way to heat the house, just incredibly dire situations. And these are the things that I learned through hard experience. So, you know, take my mistakes and learn from them, my friends. Yeah, <laughs> generally. And I, I was just saying, and I, I, I think that that's, like I mentioned before, self-mastery. This is, this is something that we need to all look into. We all need to look into learning how to get our spoons in order or mm -hmm. fill our buckets or, yep. you know, whatever it is. Um, I personally don't believe it's my place to save the world. Nope. I I am only I, I will I am to go out and to all the world and preach the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. But my job cannot be to save the world, especially not secularly. That's not my job. My yeah. job is to help individuals. And I think that if we could get to a place where we can, learn these things where we can master our own domains and focus on that until we've got it. I don't think that there's any reason for us to be speaking past that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, right. But let me ask you, yeah. Maddie, if you were to order a pizza right now, you were hungry, had to order a pizza right now, what toppings would you get? So since I indulged on a pizza yesterday for the first time in a while and it was perfect and I would do the exact same thing again. So Frank's pizza, I would call him up. I'd get a nice personal size cauliflower, cauliflower crust pizza, white pizza um, from a real Italian place where they're going to throw a ton of garlic and oil and butter in there and Parmesan. Um, and that's what they did. Like I, they went over above and beyond and so on that delicious white pizza on cauliflower crust because i'm a nerd um i would get i got like 
this lovely <laughs> sauteed sauteed spinach, uh, pepperoni, and mushrooms. And since that was so fantastic yesterday, if I was going to order another pizza right now, that'd be it. And your, you. your reading, Jessica. Oh, man. I don't know. Horse. I'm like nope. a little sexually turned on by this pizza right now. <laughs> it was, was so about good. The olive, the, the olive oil and the garlic. Oh, my God. I've been fasting today. so Oh, geez. You know. This is not the conversation for you then. <laughs> <laughs> Getting a little verklempt mm. uh, thinking about this pizza right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm fresh garlic. Up- I'm, I'm gonna end really up making some, making some food mistakes after this um this live feed ends. I'm gonna make some food <laughs> mistakes. I can be, feel it. Be prepared to forgive yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's um. So I don't know if you know, but uh, Cam makes me do this because I once said on Twitter that a person's pizza order tells me everything I need to know about them. What and does I don't it actually me. Yeah, I don't actually have like I I I don't I, I was just doing it to rile the pineapple people up. I, I yeah, don't yeah, actually yeah. have any insight into I'm anybody. About, yeah, no, but that is a that sounds like a damn good pizza. I would eat the shit out of that pizza right now. I, I wish it was some I wish it was sort. Better. I need some sort of psychological breakdown though. I need something, I, Jessica. I don't I don't Anything? have it. Take pity on me. I've been I've been ill for many days. <laughs> She's Take starving. I'm starving and I haven't eaten. And the enlightenment Ill. period of this fast hasn't hit her yet. No. <laughs> That's another 40 days in the desert. Get to it. <laughs> oh god, um, I'd never make it. Yeah. I'd be a monster by the end of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so many. I have two more questions for you. Okay. The first one is the show's um, cornerstone question. Which is the white pill question, or the hope pill, if you want to make that a little clearer for the for the plebs. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a white pill in your life? It, does, it can be any level of thing, globally, locally, in your in your own house. What is something that is giving and bringing you hope right now that you would want to share with our audience so that they may see the silver lining as we're fighting through this battle? Um. So. I've said this before on maybe my own podcast too, but definitely the first time I brought it to light was that. So because of my job, I work um, as in as basically the liaison between doctors, medical researchers, scientists, um, physicians, you know, you name it. And on the other side, I connect them with attorneys and vice versa. Um, you know, kind of whoever has the need. Mostly it's, you know, attorneys right. coming to ask me, I need this type of expert. I need this type of doctor. Who do you have? And or if they already know the person, um, know their reputation and kind of know what their opinions are going to be, like mm-hmm. they'll ask if they're available and uh, they're interested to help their client, whether it's um, plaintiff or defense. But I do a lot of toxic tort litigation. And so while you know, maybe there are some wrinkles in this potential white pill. I do notice that a lot of really good scientific argument and research goes into um, bringing legal matters to trial. And, um, you know, and so I think I think people should be suing the hell out of anybody and everybody that they can be suing this year because of what was hap- what, what, what happened last year. And, you know, I know you can't really sue the government very well. 
Um, and I know with these um, quote unquote vaccines, they do not hold uh, liability and thus you cannot um, sue them for anything that might happen to you afterwards. I'd say sue whoever that like throw pass on the wall and see what sticks. Sue anybody, sue everybody. Like, and so the white pill, like, even if that sounds like aggressive, the white pill is that I think like we can if, win. if enough lawsuits are brought to the courts and, and, and like, mm-hmm. I think even Daniel Horowitz made a, um, made a point to bring up this really pretty decent um, Kentucky ruling recently. Um, the kind of rightfully like after all this hell that we all endured, like it's almost, it's, I don't know. It's, it feels like it's too late for some of these um, better rulings to have come in and say like, well, this was a complete abuse of power. Like you absolutely mm-hmm. do not have the right to do so. Like it does need to be acknowledged. So even if it's a year and a half late for a lot of these people, like the better, the better decisions and um, people need to be the Everybody who needs to be held accountable won't, but, I'd say hold anybody accountable that you can get your hands on. Yeah. Um, and then me personally, like what I kind of keep telling myself to give me hope and to maintain strength and sanity is that I'm in the position I'm in for a reason. Like there's a reason that those people know me and that there's a reason that those yeah. people trust me. And, you know, they know that I am smart. I'm thoughtful. I'm careful. I don't speak out of turn and I do have other people's interests at heart as well. You know, of course my own will have to proceed as always, but I'm not looking to screw anybody over ever. I'm not looking to deceive anybody ever. I I'm terrible at lying. I don't lie. It's gotten me in trouble before. So there's no point. Um, And it's just, is one of those things where like similar to, Jessica, how we were talking about like when we're reading a lie, like mm-hmm. that's, that's what happens to me when I do lie. Like it, I, so if I have to lie soon, I'm I. It's going to come time for me to speak truthfully soon. And so everybody, you know, give me, send me some good vibes that I will be able to tell the truth the way I need to tell it when that mm-hmm. time comes. But what gives me hope is that I'm here and in this position I'm in exactly where I need to be for a reason and you know not i don't believe in coincidences yeah and i do think one thing i want to bring up though is i've said it before i I don't think i've said it often enough but we need i'm speaking for myself i'm not speaking for everyone but if you this resonates with you you too but we need to be the biggest cheerleaders of our friends of the people Mm -hmm. who are good who do good things who fight the good fight who go to war against evil and i think that that's something that needs to happen more and more but jessica i haven't asked you if you have a white pill lately has anything been white pilling you lately yeah those those antibiotics that i took this week that got rid of my ear infection that i had for like a month i'm actually going to give a positive Shout out to uh, medical science because I, <laughs> I did everything that I could. I took garlic. I took green tea. I took every kind of thing I could think of to try and get homeopathically get rid of the in- ear infection that I had. Oregano? Finally, oregano. Yes, I did oregano too. Like I, I, I hit it 
with everything I could. And um, I was really, really grateful that medical science had developed something that actually like worked. And I'm yeah, beginning to feel like a normal person. Some, some Cambodian breast milk. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I know that's lame. They, they were actually white pills though. So I took a bunch of white pills this <laughs> week. Actual, and I feel white, pills. actual white pills and I feel a lot better. Um, my, yeah, my gut flora needs some work. But yeah, they, they make kefir for that. So, yeah. <laughs> you know that special said kefir? Kefir? Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm, I I'm... learned that. And it's it's so much cooler to say. Kefir. Um, but I don't drink I it, do want... I'm a kombucha person. I have kombucha. Oh, I've tried with the kombucha. I just can't. There's too You need the right flavor. Yeah. My boyfriend hates it, though, so... Yeah, I just can't. I like bitter too. Like bitter mm. is my thing, and it's just not hitting it for me. I like oaky yeah. and smoky, and <laughs> I like whiskey. Didn't you saying. drink whiskey through the bad infection that your whole family got, and you only got it a little bit? I sure did. Oh man, I sure did. <laughs> um, but. It this works. is this is this is my white pill today. Tonight it was a nice wild turkey 101, which if you're going to buy an inexpensive bourbon, this stuff is surprisingly great. Has a good flavor, but Very I did want to share my white pill, um, which is this right now is episode 99. Mm -hmm. That Woo means that next week is going to be episode 100, and it's going to be great. I'm still not going to tell you what's in it. But it's going to be fun. You're going to want to join us. I, I'm. It's going to be interactive, as interactive as this is, plus more. I, I, I have some ideas, but I did work really hard on a promo video for this that I feel like kind of encapsulates the show. I don't know if you watched it, Maddie, I but I made this video and I want you to watch it. So I'm going to make okay. you watch it now, and I then I'm going to ask you our last, our last questions. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. Here you go. Here's 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 my my 100 episode promo video. All right. Have you ever heard about how much I legitimately hate Sean Astin? We so... talked about the cock aperture of a pair of underwear. I think the cat's out of the bag at this point. Like... Everyone seems to have forgotten or never bothered to look into the fact that Jeffrey Epstein is gay. Yeah, in my 20s, yeah, we were the fuck. I'm like, what the fuck you just say? Especially with the climate right now, I'd have punched yeah. you dead in your mouth, yo. I'm Ryan Burgett, and I deserve to be here. Hey, let me also say this, Ryan, and to everyone watching around the world, if I were gay, I would totally fuck you. And this is why I'm so mad at, at, at Sean Astin, and I hate him so much. You know, if you're thinking now about 10 years or 20 years or 30 years from now, what things are going to look like, especially if you have kids, and you should have kids. If I, if I want to prank someone in a non-violent and non, you know, no property damage or anything like that. Order them some Mormons? I, I order them some Mormons. Wait, is that okay on a Christian podcast? Shit, Dude. yeah. I'm about to say that I think a trans uh, woman would be the perfect uh, mate for me. Because not only would she have a dick, but we could share clothes. Sean Astin. Oh, yeah, we hate Sean Astin. Yeah, this no, kind of fuck Sean Astin, really. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, fuck Sean Astin. We're going to have our 100th episode. 
I have posted this online. I want to give a special thank you to Top Lobsta for doing our art. Nice. I told him that I needed some art, and I said, don't be afraid of making me Fat Thor. In my mind, <laughs> Fat Thor, kind of the end of Endgame, when he had the power, the braided beard, but he came back with frumpy-ass Fat Thor, and That's I so couldn't good. love it more. Toplobster.com. Get yourself a shirt from that guy. Also, you know, get a shirt from us. I mean, I I made a brand new one for the hundredth episode, which were I deemed season two after this point. There will be some shifts in the way we talk about things, what we talk about. There's going to be newer topics. I'm very excited about that. Yes. But share that. Join us. We have fun. And I, if you don't pick that up from that video, I can't fucking help you. I can't help <laughs> you. Um, but last two questions, Maddie. One, everyone look at Jessica now. That's where your focus should be. What's your favorite thing about Jessica? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I love that Jessica was like our most recently adopted family member that we always had, but like, or like they always needed, but didn't know was there. So I think yeah. like, I can't remember how exactly we found you, but Dave. I mean, it was, you know, love at first sight, love at first chat. So, Aww. yeah, it was and a it was morning awesome. drive with Dave. Dave, oh, Dave Drewberry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. uh. We Dave love used Dave. to be the eclectic gatherer for all of mm -hmm. us. Like, if um, it was like, I don't know. Like, I I'm a I'm an, I'm a wallflower and I observe and like I'll go kind of maybe lurk is less of a positive word than I'd like to describe about myself. But <laughs> I mean, Cam, you know, like when we first started interacting. I was more of a lurker and I just like liked things and on yeah. Facebook, like I didn't comment much. And then I started commenting once I was comfortable. But um, and then David had the idea of making a network. And then I was like, Hey Maddie, do you want to do a show? Yeah. I was like, and of course I, the first show I approached you about was vastly different than the one that you have. Yeah. Do you and, remember it? Yeah, I think <laughs> it was and, called y'all named it lit. Yeah. And I can't remember what it stood for, but the idea. Let's so investigate in, this. That's what it was. Yes. <laughs> that's what it was. At some comedy clubs, they'll do it. different um, uh, nights where they'll have improv being done. One team will be drunk. One will be high. And I thought, you know, it'd be funny. A libertarian show where everything that happens is done under the influence of THC. And that was my idea. And then later on, I was like, no, no. Uh, you know, I don't want people to get arrested who live in legal. You know, Not a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> but we moved on from like, there. Let me tell you what day and what time and what location I will be getting high at every week. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, well, let's um, put a target on my back more so already. <laughs> so the natural follow-up to that question is, Maddie, what's your favorite thing about me? That you would totally be part of my tribe, and um. Ooh. You've let me in um, from the beginning. And it's a good one. You know, you've always had my back. And, you know, I know that if I really needed something or, you know, I could come ask you and you'd do yep. everything that you could to help me. Uh, that's true. Mm -hmm. Or is, wait, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what is that? <laughs> Angelic Initiative. You don't know about Angelic Initiative? No. Do you have it uh, on hand? Please say you have it on hand. I, I don't. Just give me a second. 
The Angelica, you we gotta we gotta play this before we go out. Are you saying angelic? Angelic. So it's okay. this mother and daughter team, and they communicate with spirits and communicate with angels, and it's a shtick that they have. But I have I go back and forth about whether I think they believe in what they're saying or not because I think the daughter does. I think the mom's a grifter, and I think mm -hmm. the daughter is completely snowed into it. Sometimes I think the daughter knows. I don't know. Do you have it? I Tell do. Me you have it. Oh yeah. I, I have. I have one of their episodes. It's not the same video from as before, though. Let's give it a go. Planet Earth dating its Tuesday, yeah. June twenty fifth, two thousand nineteen. Yeah. In both the Lynn life and the Jamie body mind, the authorized souls remain only child souls from the deeper, denser dimensions, and all other souls from all other dimensions, as long as we're all living by the many search for truth rules already given to the search for truth community by wiser minds above all of us. And the foundational rule is for all of us to always be looking up to wiser minds above us, asking up to those wiser minds, what now, what am I supposed to be doing right now on some facet of solving the big problems of our times? And then doing what- She looks what like she lost her balloon. Of, say to do, <laughs> the way- That bitch what, has no spoons left. No <laughs> spoons. So the daughter, the only thing that daughter ever says is that's true, that's right, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Well, so if, there is something ever, for everybody, right? If you're ever <laughs> bored or drunk and have nothing else to do, watch the Angelic Initiative. You won't be sorry. There are a lot Angelic of episodes. Initiative. I was very surprised because I, I thought Who I just did that one. Who filmed? It's, it's obviously on a tripod. It's got to be a oh. tripod. But people write to them and ask them to like do their. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what it is they're doing. Climb to the or ascend to the. I don't. Even, she doesn't even know what she's saying. I don't think like none of that was coherent. <laughs> and so the daughter's the just world. like looking up in the sky like she lost her balloon. Yeah, because like I don't she, think she, like she lost her balloon on. ten years ago. <laughs> looking for it every <laughs> that was interesting well i always know um it's gonna be a, a wild ride so <laughs> hey we I didn't make any dick stained here the closest yeah. we got was talking about coming out of the mother's womb that so was sufficient you, i think you got any dick jokes pretty pretty gross no not today oh no i, I well I shout out to plate check season who has small hands and you know what that means yeah. um so beyond that Thank you for coming on our show. The last time I think was Eric July. Yeah. When so, you were still um make Liberty Great Again. Uh, speaking of which, Eric long. July, um, I'm in your I'm in your DMs. Um Aren't we all? We're supposed to hang out <laughs> on my show. So. so if you want to listen to Maddie's show, her and Jesse do a show called Vol the Voluntary Vixens. It's a weekly show that's typically out on Wednesdays right before this one because I edit it. It's, it's just it's just how it works. Most of the time it comes out on we'll Wednesday. Take what if we it doesn't, get. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so if you want to find that, go to voluntaryvixens.com. Or if you want to see what we do, all the other or original shows, which I say all the other. It's you and, it's, it's you and us. 
that's it now. Or the currently active. Um, <laughs> but we do know, holding it up. Yeah, we do have other um, exemplary shows on the website mlgnetwork.com, voluntaryvixens.com. If you want to listen there, they're on every podcatcher. Um, eventually, I'll talk them into doing video. That's something I have not talked to them yet about, but it's going to take some work. So uh, we'll we'd consider that. we'd consider it if we could get on Rockfin, but otherwise. Well, that that's that's the thing. To when it comes to very often, when it comes to Rockfin, that is why I haven't said anything yet about Rockfin is because I think you need the visual there. But yeah. mm -hmm. if you want to find Maddie on Twitter, that's at PetMyMaddie, P-E-T-T-M-Y-M-A-D-D-I-E. -T -T -E. um, is there anything else you want to share? Um, one other place to find me, especially like if it's something concerning less about the podcast and less about politics and you know, that realm, I did also, before I started a podcast, create a, a like a yoga centric um, account where I really wanted to be, cause there aren't many, but I wanted to be one, if not the only, I wanted to be the libertarian yogi. I wanted to be, and you know, I'm again, very like subtle. I'm not super obvious and flashy and showy because I think there's always, you know, something to grow and, and stay away from labels, you know. But mm -hmm. so like I went through yoga teaching certification and really like it, it confirmed that I was a libertarian, small L libertarian, like I and the anarchist thing kind of grew from there. But that's yeah. what solidified it so much for me that like those ethics matched the ethics of, you know, libertarianism, the non-aggression principle, self-ownership, like self-mastery, all of that stuff, sovereignty, like self-sovereignty, all that stuff. So like, I really wanted to have a place to express those kinds of thoughts and ideas and be an example for others to come to as well. So if you want to talk to me about anything or just follow that um, account, I'm on Instagram at voluntary vinyasa. So vinyasa is a sequence of movements uh, in yoga. And it was the, my name for myself is, um, was meant to mean that, you know, everybody's kind of got their own way of doing something. Um, yeah. And you shouldn't be forced into what works for you. I love it. That's awesome. I'll be following so. you real soon. So. I, haven't, I haven't been inspired to push out too much content recently. Um, it's been a depressing time. But mm. anyway, things to aspire to. Self-care and all that, right? Self-care is important. Even though I'm a boy and I never actually take that advice ever. <laughs> um, but with that, let's do the boring stuff. Um, and I don't think it's actually boring. Um, but one thing is we have new shirts. Comes, I call it Madeline season two. You see the lightning? You see the thunder? Are you ready? Are you ready? I don't know. We are the madones.com slash <laughs> store. I just got some. They will come probably Friday, and I'll be rocking one on episode 100. So beyond that, let me tell you where to find us. At Cam Harless on Twitter. Fuck Instagram. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that right now. Won't find me there. I mean, you can, <laughs> but it's literally nothing. I don't post. Um, yeah. Jessica at Soup Canarchist. Um, also, we have a Rockfin, rockfin.com slash we are the mad ones, where if you want to listen to all of our old episodes, 
we keep 10 for free. Everything before that, you have to go to Rockfin for, or on Odyssey, you can pay a small fee to watch it there. Um, also, we do have a Patreon now. So if you want to be our first patron in this reboot, patreon.com slash themadones. Very easy. Um, T-shirts, like I said, wearethemadones.com slash store. If you want to listen, wearethemadones.com. Also on any podcatcher, we're on YouTube. That's probably where you're watching now. If not, we're also on Odyssey. All the links in the description. Everything's down there. Everything's down there. Beyond that, uh, lorenzotti.coffee. Get yourself some coffee. Fine Italian coffee. Jessica drinks it almost every episode. I don't know if she has any now, but if she doesn't, I no. know she wishes she did. I, I have a coffee cup, but it's full of cords. <laughs> so... <laughs> Lorenzotti.coffee. Every time you buy it, you can use the promo code the Mad Ones to get 10% off your order. And mm -hmm. that, that helps us out. So with that, I I don't have anything else for you. Just anything? um guys, if you're new, uh hit subscribe and hit the notification bell so you know when we're on and um hit like and that will bump us up in the al algorithm so we can keep the lights on. Appreciate you. Yep. And so with that, we love you. And as always, I, I'm trying to determine if I should change the, 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 the out, the call out. What do you call it? The sign off phrase. Sign off. But here it is right now because I'm going to be brainstorming. But with that, dear audience, be the glitch you want to see in the Matrix.